When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And now it's time for the TOT cast with your hosts, Chris O'Kranitz and Ryan Greco. And I'd like to welcome everybody for the first official TOT cast here, courtesy of the Fan Sided Network. My name is Ryan Greco, and sitting across from me is the head editor of tipofthetower.com, Chris O'Kranitz. And if you always ever want to get at us on Tip of the Tower, you can always reach us by Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can also reach me personally at Ryan Greco 416 And of course, you can always reach Chris O'Kranitz at Chris O'Kranitz. And always be sure to like our Facebook page, Tip of the Tower. Now, to start off the show, this is our very first ever podcast, so we'd like to thank everybody who took the time to listen to us today. Much appreciated. The first thing that I definitely want to touch on, Chris, is uh, the fact that the Toronto Blue Jays, they're not dead yet. They've uh, managed to force a Game 6 out in Kansas City after uh, prevailing last night in a 7-1 victory over the Kansas City Royals. Uh, even some things were said after the game that uh, I'm sure are some things that we could definitely touch on. Uh, but before we get to that, we also want to let you guys know what we have in store for the show today. We also have an opportunity to speak with uh, two of the top premier high school basketball players that we're going to be seeing in the next two years coming out of Canada. Uh, and they just happen to be brothers as well. And they had some things to say, some pretty interesting things to say. Wouldn't you agree, Chris? No, I would definitely agree that uh, Thon Maker and Mature Maker had some very interesting things to say about not only their season ahead of them, but also some past relationships they have. And also to round out the show, we're also going to get a chance to speak briefly about the recent departure of MLSC President Tim Laiwiki and the legacy that he left, because if people really want to check the record, uh, he left this city, even though he was only here for a couple of years, every single team that he's touched is now in competitive form. So I think it's something that's definitely worth mentioning. But one team that he uh, didn't watch over was the Toronto Blue Jays. And despite that, uh, they're seeing uh, the kind of level of success that only the Toronto Blue Jays have seen in the last uh, couple of decades. Um, and they found themselves in a hole tonight down and they found themselves in a hole last night, down 3-1 to one in the series and uh, found a way to come back. And the bats came alive. Everybody who was expected to hit got some hits. None other more important than Troy Tulowitzki and what he was able to accomplish. Marco Estrada put on a uh, pitching performance for the ages and quite frankly gave the Blue Jays exactly what they needed. It was an impressive display by Estrada tonight, I tell you that much. I mean, very quietly he's gone from a pitcher that was really an understatement entering the season when he got traded for Adam Lynn to now arguably the Blue Jays' most important pitcher next to maybe Marcus Stroman, but all playoff long, if there's been a guy they've needed, even since the All-Star break, if there's been a guy they've needed, it's been Marco Estrada. We were both watching the game, especially when it got later into the game, and uh, 
we were checking Twitter and we had a chance to see <laughs> how people were absolutely losing their minds at the idea of uh, David Price uh, warming up. And I remember you were talking about this, Chris, saying that um, we, we couldn't afford to put him into this game. We really couldn't, could we? I don't think so. I mean, today was a scheduled, well, likely a scheduled side session day for him. So it looked like he was getting work in, but then at the same time when he started getting loose on the mound, it looked like he was getting loose to get ready to possibly go into the game. But there's no way we could have brought him in today, in my opinion, because you traded to get a guy like him four games like game six. You don't want to burn him in the bullpen, even though they're lacking the left-handed arm with Aaron Loop and Brett Cecil out. You just want to save a guy like that for game six. I know it's a must-win game, but they brought David Price here to pitch in games like game six. Of course, and not only that, just the idea of, you know, he's already had a little bit of success coming out of the pen, but he still hasn't got that monkey off his back when it comes to the playoff starts. He's now 0-7. When you have all of these things adding in to a factor, it's like it really just kind of sets up for the perfect moment for him. If there was ever a moment for him to get over this this curse, even you will, and you know how baseball is such a superstitious sport like that, now has got to be the time, and it's either going to be put up or shut up for him. I mean, I don't see why it really wouldn't be after his first good start in Game 2 there. And, I mean, to build off your point that baseball is a funny game of curses and superstitions and all that stuff, perhaps that's the perfect thing for Price to break out of this. I mean, 30 years ago, in 1985, the Royals and the Jays met. Ironically enough, the Jays won Game 1 and 2. The Royals went home and won Game 3. They lost Game 4. Then they ripped off 3 straight, and they came back to beat the Jays from 3-1 down. So maybe that whole omen will come back and be what David Price needs to propel the Blue Jays back. Being down 3-1, what are the odds for that anyway? The odds for that actually aren't very good. 85% of teams that are down 3-1 end up losing the series, but there has been 12 teams that have come back to actually win. The 2012 Giants, the 2004 and 2007 Red Sox, and the 2003 Marlins have all come back and won, and they actually won the World Series when they did come back. And if you really truly do believe in the stats... The Blue Jays are World Series bound and will more than likely win the whole thing. And here's why. The Blue Jays finished the regular season with a plus 221 run differential. No one else in the AL finished within 110 runs. Since the division play era started, only four teams have held that large a gap over the next closest team in their league. All four of those teams reached the World Series, and only the 1995 Cleveland Indians did not win at all. That's some heavy numbers to take into account. So if you are a Jays fan, fear not. We do have some hope, especially if we end up coming back from all of this. Um, so Chris, in your opinion, what do you really think the Jays need to do now going back into Kansas City? They haven't had a lot of success this series over there. Uh, their, their offense has been almost non-existent when they've been there. Um, what do you think the Jays batters have to do moving forward, uh, to win the next two games in Kansas City and move on to the World Series? Well, I think it starts with getting some good pitching performances again, and, it would be good if Price and Stroman can go out there and just deal and keep them in the game to start. But at the same time, the offense has to be better situationally. Yes, in game one and two, they hit a lot of balls right at people, and those hits usually fall as for hits, but they were right at people. So I know people are criticizing them, saying they live and die off the long ball, but playing in Kauffman Stadium, there's probably not going to be a lot of long balls. So if I was the Jays, just, just keep hitting the ball. It's going to fall in the places. That's the way baseball works. It's a funny sport like that. And I just I would try and keep things real simple and just approach the game with the same approach they've had all season. You're not going to refine it and change it into some magical new team this late in the season. So keep doing what you're doing and keep the game simple. Speaking of pitching performances, uh, the guy who started us off on the right foot, I guess you could say, uh, from the Kansas City Royals and Johnny Cueto. Now, he... Um, 
he had an interesting outing, we'll say the least. <laughs> um, the Blue Jays basically mashed him around Rogers Center. And uh, after the game, he even had some choice words for the Blue Jays lineup claiming that they were tipping pitches. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think it's kind of funny that he claims that they were tipping pitches because it's something that's been going on in baseball forever. It's an unwritten rule, per se, that you don't steal signs, you don't tip pitches, etc., but at the same time, yes, the Jays of the Rogers Center have a reputation or a questionable reputation of stealing pitches or tipping tipping pitches or stealing signs. But at the end of the day, his fastball was up, his command was garbage, and he got rocked and he just got frustrated. He's had a lot of uh, troublesome outings in the playoffs and quite frankly, he's just a whiner. I'm not I, I'm not a fan of Cueto at all, especially after when he kicked Jason LaRue in the head a couple of years ago, well, almost a decade ago now. And it, He's just He just sounds like a whiner to me. Greg Zahn went on the post game and said that the Royals were stealing signs and Moustakas was on uh, second base there and Alex Gordon's big at bat against David Price. So is this is this really an issue? Not really. It's just a pitcher had a bad outing and he's crying about it. I think I could speak for all the Jays fans here when I actually would say that I would love to see Cueto back on the mound again. <laughs> and I'm sure the Jays lineup would love to see them too. Well, I think we were going to get a shot at him in game, hopefully game seven. I mean, it'll be interesting to see they put him back out there. But I'm, I'm with you, Ryan. I really hope they do throw him back out there because the Jays really seem to tee off on him. And anytime a, a pitcher of that caliber leaves it up over the plate, and you know what's the worst part about it all is that he's always had a history of letting things get to his head. You know, whether, yeah, I mean, you can, I'm, I'm sure you can speak on that, especially certain situation from our catcher that we have even now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, back at PNC Park in the wildcard game there, when they he dropped the ball on the mound from all the Cueto or Suedo chants, uh, the very next pitch <laughs> he picked up and threw was launched by Russell Martin out of the park. So he definitely lets the crowd get to him, but that won't be an issue at Kauffman Stadium. So maybe things will turn around for the better for him. Now, moving forward um, from a guy who lets the crowd get to him no matter what to two young men that love nothing more than to get the crowd involved. And that's uh, the two gentlemen that we actually had a chance to get a hold of for this podcast, our very first podcast. We were lucky enough to have two very esteemed guests that are definitely going to be making an impact in the world of basketball, and that is Thon and Mator Maker. Uh, we had them over the phone a couple of uh, hours ago and uh, just really had a fantastic conversation with those two. And, uh, I mean, they were really they were really something to hear from, weren't they? Yeah, they were great two guys to talk to. I mean, they both have really bright futures. You got schools like Kentucky, Duke, Indiana, Arizona State, and the list could literally go on and on and on of teams trying to court these two players and recruit them. So it, it was great to speak with both of them, and their personalities really came out, and they were uh, very enjoyable to speak to. Absolutely. And they definitely had a few things to say about a few a few people. And not only that, though, just uh, bright minds in the game of basketball. And here's our previous conversation with Thon and Mator Maker. We have Thon and Mator Maker here on the TOT cast with myself, Ryan Greco, and of course, Chris O'Kranitz. And uh, first of all, gentlemen, I'd like to thank you very much for taking your time for uh, coming on to uh, the show with us. And uh, I know it's been a crazy summer for the both of you. Yeah, no problem, man. It's, it's been a long summer. <laughs> I can imagine. So we're going to jump right into this. Uh, Thon, I wanted to ask you first. Well, you, you kind of made yourself, well, you were already a bit of internet sensation uh, as far back as a year and a half ago, but uh, over the summer you were able to do something that uh, we've dubbed the crossover. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want you to describe uh, for us, if you can, uh, how that has 
changed your life since that video went viral. I mean, you were on PTI and ES, all over ESPN, all over Fox Sports 1, up here in uh, TSN and Sportsnet were also covering it heavily when they saw it happen. Uh, and how has it been handling the hype that now comes with being Thon Maker when you walk into a building after such a thing has happened to you and such such a moment was caught on film, really? Um, for me, I personally, there's been, I think there's been uh, too many videos out there, different things mm-hmm. I do, you know, on the court, but I feel like with that crossover you're talking about, if if you put me on top, you know, with with room to work with, you know, a lot of space and and a big on me, I've gotten used to you know, working from that area because you know, of the the fact that the the bigs are usually not as you know quick or as fast. But um, I feel like I can get whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. So, but those guys they rocked back a little. I got space and got my shot off. Then bam, you know, at that time he happened to you know tumble, tumble and kind of a little bit. The thing with with the three of those shots, you know, I made them. It's not quite the same without the shot being made, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not the same. It, it wouldn't. It, it wouldn't go as viral. That's what most kids would, would say. But um, also, I feel like in the NBA later on, people haven't really seen my my whole game because of the pacing and players that cut. You know, players that know how to play. But in the NBA, you know, that that would be easy. People would really get a chance to see my passing. You know, I really love you know the art of basketball. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that you say that people haven't seen your full array of the game yet. Yeah. Um, as for Mature, I mean, playing behind you a little bit throughout his career, at the Under Armour camp in the summer in Charlotte, he said he learned a lot from your game. Could he talk a bit more about what he's learned from you on the court? Oh, a lot, basically. That, that's the word, because whatever I don't do properly, he'll do it properly because he saw the mistake I've made ahead of him. So it gives him a little bit more room to improve because he's a fast learner. And also on the court, when we're playing against each other or against other people, but on the same team or on the same floor at the same time, he he just picks up so much easily and that quick. Do you have anything to add to that, Mature, or is that pretty accurate? Uh, that's that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Mature, I got this uh, got this one for you. Um, uh, going along with actually with what Chris was talking about in uh, Charlotte, uh, you also said that you guys had some uh, some main differences uh, both on the court and off the court. So, what would you say are some of the main differences off the court between you two? I think off the court, um, those things are just what we naturally do. I mean, Ron and I, we're different. I'm more of a funny guy, and he's more of a, you know, just... I mean, he's sometimes funny, but not as funny as me. But we try to enjoy the things we have around us, and we're surrounded by a lot of people who love us, so... (laughs) (laughs) So that... That's, that's like an enjoyment from the family part and also through the coaches, personal trainers, and stuff like that. With you saying how close you guys are in family and everything, this is Thon's last year at high school, and he's going to be going to college next year. That next year, that'll mean you two probably aren't going to play together, but is reuniting in college something that you two have thought about? Uh, nah, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, eh? I'd imagine you guys are probably pretty busy in the recruitment process still. Yeah. And building on that, I know that uh, you both have had a chance to travel around the United States, obviously, when you were um, touring with the AAU circuit. But uh, would you guys happen to care to share any of uh, your best memories so far that you've had uh, visiting some of these other universities, like, for example, Kentucky or Assembly Hall in Indiana? Has there been anything that's uh, stood out to you guys? Just as fans of the game of basketball and and seeing everything that uh, you've had an opportunity to see, what have been some of the best memories that you've had so far in this summer playing together and uh, traveling together? You want to go first? All right, this is Mature speaking. All right. Go ahead, Mature. <laughs> I think the best part was me on 
and my coach, Coach Smith, because there was one time we were riding together after a game, and we had won. So mm-hmm. that was something really good. We kind of enjoyed ourselves on the road. It's, it's happened many times, uh, going to different schools and getting to see they have to offer and things like that. So I think just being together is something I kind of enjoyed over the summer. Don, what about you? Uh, for me, I would say when I visited um, Kentucky and Indiana, the, those places were rocking. You know, it was, it was pretty cool. And uh, another another place also that was very very special was visiting Duke. They had a the craziness thing, and the fans were a part of the game. So if I was looking at it from a a fan perspective, I would feel like those players are really under pressure because they're literally in the game. They're touching the people. Hmm. And and I'll go back and watch some some other games of let's say them against Carolina a while back. Like so, I, I have a lot of college game tapes I watch. I seen them like some of the the fans are actually touching players, and some players are getting mad and stuff. <laughs> Laugh, but that was that was pretty cool. That was very special. Was there anything in particular that stood out to you about I, let's say the Cameron Crazies at Duke or even the atmosphere at Rupp Arena in Kentucky? Was there anything that really stood out to you at all? Yeah, with the fans part, that, that that really stood out, and then also the the fact that the fans knew were coming to visit, and then they they get really creative with signs and and um, chants during the game or during the show, whatever they're putting on. But uh, the fans were really really funny with their chants also. But then the arenas also were pretty cool with Kentucky in them and their arena. And a big, and then I hear people saying they're about to get a bigger one. So it's like, whoa! Yep, they're adding to it. <laughs> bigger can you get? So, yeah. Well, I think um, kind of lost in the shuffle in you taking all these unofficial visits, both yourself and your brother, is the academic side of things. Um, is there any program or major in particular that you two were looking to go into academically? Uh, haven't really paid much attention in terms of specific academic programs. So right now, you, both you two are just completing your high school degree, and then just. I guess whatever suits best basketball-wise for the both of you is where you'll be attending, or is there something in particular that's going to sway you guys one way or the other? Yeah, both, both, you know, both academics and, and basketball. But basketball can always take care of itself. Uh, the main part is really your focus once you get there, not, you know, not to get sidetracked. Moving a little bit now closer to the more near present, uh, you guys have a, a warm-up tournament now coming up uh, at the uh, Bill Crothers Jamboree. Question for both of you. Um, first for Matur. Matur, what would you consider a, a successful tournament for you? And then the same question to you as well, Thon. More importantly, uh, do you guys think you can come home undefeated from it? Uh, well, first of all, I think it's filled with a lot of good teams. That's going to be a little bit of a challenge for us. Like, well, the second game, this first on Friday is going to be the first, second game we're going to be playing the team together. So I think we're looking good at the moment. We're looking really good. We'll see how it turns out. Mm-hmm. Thon, how about yourself? I think we'll do pretty well. I think we'll do great. Um, we're, we're cleaning a few things up, like Matu just said. But mm-hmm. me personally, I'm not. I'm not playing in it because I rolled my ankle in a previous game. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to sit this one out. But you definitely will. And I'll be. I'll be there cheering on the sideline and making sure we get our stuff together. No problem. So you're going to be sitting out for all three then? Yeah, for all three of them. But um, what I was saying was, I'm. I'm going to be be on the sideline. But uh, for us as a team. We're really working on getting our stuff down together. So this is really a warm-up for us. Like you said, it's early in the season. It, I don't even know, you know, when when I'll get back. But for us right now, win or lose, we're really trying to figure our stuff together. It, it would be great to lose. I don't mean that in a way like, you know, yeah, we lost. But in a way that it would teach us something because 
Mm-hmm. We're going to figure out the truth about ourselves, not you know, the false sense if we just go out there and just grind it out and win, you know, try to go for the win. We're really trying to clean everything up, and I mean clean everything up. We work currently working. You know, guys in practices, they're going at it. You see blood on the floor every now and then, so it's really coming together. I'm glad to hear that, especially after – I'm sure you guys uh, got a realization when you faced Bill Crothers in that exhibition game that uh, this league isn't going to be a walkover, right? That was a great test against Bill Crothers. I'm glad you mentioned that one because we went over tape and the whole team hasn't seen it yet, but most of the players have seen it and all the coaches have watched it over and over again and you can tell it was a great test for us. So with this being kind of a warm-up tournament like you were saying, I know you guys are busy and this kind of kick-starts the busy season for you guys. With that being said, you guys don't really live the normal teenage life of a day-to-day routine. What's a day-to-day routine like for you two? You want to go first? All right, I'll go first. Matur's going Matur's first. speaking. All right. Uh, we don't really worry about that because we're putting in work, and it's fun. You know, we're enjoying ourselves, enjoying life at the same time. Um, I think with being around the family, being around my brother and uh, Coach Smith, uh, that's a good thing because they, they get to help me, and my mind is so busy. I mean, I still get to learn a lot from my friends off the court. They call me Mr. International. Why do they call you Mr. International? Because, you know, I hang around with a lot of different people. You know, I have (laughs) friends from all over the place. So, yeah. You guys are kind of like celebrities, I guess, then, a little bit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys are okay at what you do, I guess, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, One one question for the both of you, uh, but also more specifically directed towards Thon. Um, One of the things that was uh, always said about you last season, especially near the end after the Biosteel game and the hoops, was that you still needed some time to uh, bulk up. And uh, you responded to the critics, did you ever bulk up? (laughs) And uh, one of the things I wanted to ask was uh, the fact that, you know, you guys have had such a schedule, such a torrent schedule that's almost been nonstop for the both of you. Uh, how was it that you were even able to bulk up given the amount of travel time you guys had to do? Like, what was the most important to you specifically? Was it more the nutrition? Was it more the weight training? Or was it just plain old growth, you know, just getting a little bit older? Because at the end of the day, people tend to forget sometimes that you guys are still just teenagers. Well, I'll name a few names for you. There's Coven. Go right ahead. Ariachi. There's Lynn Smith. There's Aaron. These four people have been, like, basically the the whole point of us, you know, putting on this weight and getting stronger and being ready because um, Lynn Smith is Coach's wife and, and she's she's been, you know, cooking nonstop ever since and and then Coven in the weight room. You got to let us know your favorite dish. <laughs> ribs. But, uh... Ribs. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I would say Coven, you know, he's our weight room guy and where we go... We have first period, you know, fitness class. We go with them. We 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 in the weight room. We we going hard and nonstop with the team. But afterwards, after school, we go extra extra hard, you know, with him. And then mm-hmm. we have Aaron. He's the guy who brings in the the meal plan and the nutrition part of it. And then Lynn is the the chef, you know, killing it in the kitchen, like literally, you know, putting on the the actual thing. Like she's she's the one actually getting ready to do the work. But she's she's the one that's um basically putting on the work for us in terms of making the food. And it, all these four people have really made it paid off for us, and people can see the, the gains, and they, they're still seeing the gains coming through. So You guys sound like a pretty tight-knit group there, and uh, one of the people that I realized you guys were working with before was, correct me if I'm wrong, it's uh, Coach Smith's cousin, Justin Zormello. He was working with you on the court. Um, given his reputation of working with guys like Kevin Durant and John Wall, 
What was it like working with Justin Zermelo? We didn't really, you know, get a chance to do any work with, with Justin. He, we just introduced ourselves. But um, the person that people never really hear much about is Coach Smith because he likes to stay in the background. That's that's his thing. Like he never, you know, try to be upfront with anything he does. It's always the back. So all the work we've done was with him, and people haven't really seen that upfront. So. So I'm sure you've seen that the ESPN documentary yeah. they did on YouTube with uh, Zormelo. So most of that had to do with actually Coach Smith helping train with you guys because he kind of was a back figure in the documentary, which is a little a uh, little puzzling at times. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it was more so that Zormelo just broke down some analytics stuff and uh, Coach Smith really put through the plan with you two. It's really what we had envisioned on working on. So with that documentary we're talking about? Yep. Yeah, it, it was... Uh, like um, an introduction type of thing that, you know, this is how we'll be doing it and this is the the why and this is the result that's happened in the, in the past and how we can get it out of, you know, what's coming up in the future for this kid. So that, that's, that was basically how it was like. Mm. Okay. One interesting thing that I found in the documentary was uh, you guys talked about the concept of kill zones. And when you said that you took the guy out 23 feet from the basket, crossed him over, uh-huh. a lot of centers can't keep up with you. Yeah. Um, is kill zone still something you two focus on, or is it just kind of a very fluid approach to the game? It's a fluid a- approach, but it, it's also a focus point because you have to know your your areas and you have to be able to do something from your areas. Then back to what Justin was saying about those areas was the fact that you have to be. People usually say something that you're really you're really good at and you know improve on it instead of everything. So the kill zones really makes areas stand out for you that you know you can go to whenever you feel comfortable, whenever you feel uncomfortable, I mean, so because you are comfortable in those areas. So then you can go to your kill zones and then work from there. Mm-hmm. Matura, you uh, approach the game a little bit differently than your brother, uh, being a small forward and a guy who's more uh, centered out on the wing. Would you mind uh, sharing with us some of the things that you've tried to work on over the summer and some of the spots that you have found most comfortable and most fluidity to the game? spot that I'm comfortable with, I'll say the elbows. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked a lot on that. And uh, some of the high block, but not as much. I'm still trying to high block down. Overall, playing outside is really, like, I enjoy it because at the same time, as I'm getting my offense down, I can also stop anybody. Say at any level, but, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty close. That's a good thing. I'm still working on my defense, but I think I'll get there. I've seen a couple of... Uh comparisons out there for you guys saying that they would prefer to see you two play a little closer to the basket with a more of a post-up game which is that something you two are comfortable with or is that still kind of a developing part of your game this is darn one um I, i'm comfortable playing anywhere on the floor but the fact that i recognize mismatches really well you know, sets out the the areas i want to work on for me on the court as i'm on the floor coaches have well have realized that they can't leave a big on me isolated in an island on top of the key with plenty of space. So now that when coaches recognize that they're going to start putting smaller guards on me, and that's when I really eat. To do that, I have to take them down. Mm-hmm. I can work from there. So I noticed in the summer you and Scalabissery, who is enrolling at Kentucky this year, mm-hmm. uh, kind of went out of the post in a bit, but he really struggled with you at the top when, he, when you kind of brought him out there like you're saying. What are some techniques or strategies you use to draw the big men to the top of the key? Uh, basically my quickness but also working my way slowly. I, first, I can start by 
you know, posting up, and then they feel comfortable. Then I'm running. They're getting tired. I'm not. But then when I come up top, then it's them you know, right now chasing me. So the game plan from there is to get space. I know I can get my shot off whenever I can shoot over top anybody, basically. I, I don't know who blocked my jump shot because I'm 7-1, seven, seven and I jump high on my shot also and then releasing high. So, it's, you know, all of it is just about reading the, the defender and then getting your space off. And Matur, given everything you've shown a lot, you've shown some flashes of brilliance. I remember specifically even seeing you in the Bowsteel game. You uh, you put on quite a show and really made a statement about, "Hey, I'm here as well, and uh, I'm going to make a name for myself." Where do you see your game evolving to, both offensively and defensively? I know you said earlier that you're working on your defense. I think offensively will be better than Kevin Durant. I would say because I watch Kevin Durant so much that his defense is terrible. So. <laughs> jokes aside so no it's true well he's he's a scorer he's a scorer first right yeah. his offense is so good that his defense is terrible <laughs> and i watch every step with me right now at this level i think i'll be able to beat him by the time i get there you know eventually so but uh he's doing a lot of scouting and like when i say a lot i mean a lot so that kind of sets me apart from him i think i'll be more of like a, a durant because of my size, or with the Michael Jordan defense and intensity, because I'm also quick on defense. You no, know, that'll be that'll bother a lot of guys, and that's how you can win championships at any level. So it's funny you say that you two do a lot of scouting. Yeah. I know that your old teammates Jamal Murray's at Kentucky now, and Jalen Poyser's at UNLV. Mm-hmm. Uh, have they done any college scouting for you two, and given you guys any good feedback about what's going on down at Lexington or uh, out in Vegas there? Uh, on it, on it, on Yeah, the the last guy. I got in contact with out of those two was uh, Jamal, but uh, he seems like he's enjoying his situation. I watched their practice the other day. It was um, they, they were they were having fun with it, and he's gonna have a great year, I think, personally, and because he just have that age, he just wants it that much and scorer. So, if you if you're a scorer playing for Kentucky, you're gonna get off. Your work ethic will will set you apart. So, he wants to work that much more and is willing to put in a lot for it. I, for for Jalen, I haven't really spoken much with him, but also I've I spoken with one of his coaches that came down to visit and asked about him a little bit, and he's saying he's, he's going to be good for them. And he also explained to me how they'll be using him, and I won't be sharing that, but yeah. <laughs> well, not dipping into the usage here, uh, last year and even this year, and I'm sure you, to, you two to still keep in touch, uh, yeah. what's it been like with Coach Cal? I mean, I know he's been working a lot with the team and uh, with Jamal personally, obviously, because he plays for them, but your meetings with Coach Cal, what's that been like? I, I met with him once when I visited, at the unofficial visit I went on, and uh, he, he's a cool guy. He's, he was straight up with me. He you know, didn't beat around any bush or anything like that. He didn't hide anything. He just made up honest how he wanted to recruit me or how – well, he actually asked how I wanted to be recruited, so, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that he asked how you want to be recruited because uh, when you two played in Massachusetts last year, yeah, I, uh, I heard that he took a helicopter to come watch you guys play personally, and he sat front row at center court. So that must have been uh, pretty cool for you guys last year to see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything you two would like to touch on that you feel like we missed or anything that you two would like to personally talk about? Okay, well, uh, one, I forgot to mention that um, we will be working with Justin next year. Justin Zamello? Perfect, yeah. perfect, yep. So that that was the part I wanted to add on. 
Mm-hmm. Will he be coming up here to Orangeville, or will he kind of doing personal training with you guys? Yeah, he'll be coming up. He'll be coming up to Orangeville. So I guess that'll be next summer before you depart for college. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Is there anything else you feel that uh, we mentioning? Is there? Matora, you need a, you want to include anything right now that we haven't touched on yet? Uh, I don't know. Well, just the fact that this year we we will have a great year. You know, we have Miss Brandon on our side also from the AI Academy. That's our coach. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So I'm playing for him this year on that side. Mm-hmm. You remember last year I was with Orangeville Prep, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I remember. I'll be I'll be playing in this year. He's a good coach. Yep, definitely. And um, so that part. Anything else, Mr. International? Okay. Well, I, I would like to say this about him also. He, you know, he's, he's caught up in people see that he's caught up. They, they hardly see about him or hear about him because, like you said before, he's caught up in my shadow or something like that, right? Yeah. But to me personally, I think he's the best cl- best player in his class. And if I just wait till I'm gone, that, that's all I can say. Just wait till I'm gone, and you'll see him. <laughs> well, yeah, I've seen some some talking to some recruiters and people around here. They're uh, they're really excited about the both of you, but they keep saying, if if we can get Thon, then who knows if we could get Mature too. And they keep saying, uh, watch out for Mature. Yeah, yeah, he he's very political about his answers apparently. <laughs> that surprised me, but uh, was well, he got any jokes for us? I mean, he said he was the funnier of you two, right? He's got any good jokes? Oh, I'll, I'll keep my jokes. That, that one was serious. <laughs> All that he said was serious. <laughs> I'm joking. We'll keep those off the record then. How's that sound? <laughs> oh gosh. Well, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Thon, I always knew you were. Um, you're. You've always been a great interview and a great person to talk to, uh, Matur. This has been. Uh, this has been exceeding my ex- my and I think Chris's expectations on uh, how willing you guys have been able to open up and uh, you know it's both sound like two very uh, accomplished young men ready to take on the world. Uh, we wish you guys nothing but the best. Don, heal up that ankle, please, because we need to see you dominating on the court soon again. <laughs> and Matur, uh, please continue to uh, keep climbing that ladder that you're going on right now because Don said it best: just wait until he's gone, and then the world's going to find out exactly who you really are. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to thank the both of you again and uh, thank Coach Smith as well for allowing us to speak to you guys. Sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Our boys, have a great night. Do right, some, something neat and enjoy care, yourselves, okay? <laughs> Good night. That's Thon and Mator Maker here on the TOT Cast. And there you have it, two very young, outspoken men that are very driven. They know exactly what they want in the world of basketball, don't they, Chris? That they certainly do. And they had a couple interesting things to say there, Ryan, didn't they? I was completely in shock when, I mean, you and me both saw the documentary on ESPN and, you know, for, for Thon to basically say that a lot of uh, what they were doing, uh, it really just sounded more like Justin was there to show them uh, what they needed to do. But as far as the actual work, I mean, I, I feel like it could be understandable, though, when you think about it, because there's a guy who's on call for what it seems like to be almost the entire NBA or at least the entire NBA all-star teams of guys lining up to work with him from what it seems at least. So, you know, maybe it was just that kind of situation where it was a day of him sitting down and saying, okay, these are the things you need to work on. And then it was both Thon and his coach, Ed Smith and guardian and same thing with Mature realizing that, and then kind of doing the work the rest of the way. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, it was just a little weird when you watch documentary, it seemed a lot more like Justin Zormello was hands-on with Thonmaker. Um, I I guess not. But Thon did say that he's coming back to work with them in the summer, so yet to be determined, per se, I guess? I, I, I think that's the only thing we can really take away from it, to be honest. Um, and as talented as those boys were, 
we're moving from one talented group of young men to a man who's a little bit gray in the hair, but uh, he definitely showed his talent and his worth while he was on the Toronto sports scene. And that, of course, is former now MLSC president Tim Laiwiki. And uh, I, I, we just, I just recently put up a post on uh, Tip of the Tower, uh, actually, this morning that basically talked about the short but amazing legacy that he might have left in Toronto, which could last for another decade if the people in charge see fit to keep all the pieces together that they have. It was quite the tenure that Laiwiki had. I mean, you look at the impact he had on teams like TFC, the Raptors, and to a small degree, the Toronto Maple Leafs. How could you really not give this man his dues for what he's done in Toronto? And, I mean, now that he's shifting over to Miami with David Beckham, it sounds like he's going to try and bring that winning pedigree that he has to Miami with David Beckham. I know you had a very strong opinion on this, Ryan, and you you were quite the fan of what Laiwiki had to do in Toronto. Do you mind uh, delving into that a bit more about why you're such a big fan of his? I will, but and I'll start that by posing, posing this question to you, Chris. Um, do you think he wanted to leave? Uh, you know what? I don't think he really did. From people that I've spoken to across the Toronto sports scene here, they said Laiwiki was a bit of a bulldog in the boardroom and amongst staff and people, and uh, he can be the, a difficult guy to get along with at times just because he really wants to win which is something that fans, players, I'm sure an entire organization can appreciate, but at the same time can be very difficult to work with. And we saw that with TFC, and we had the switch in the coaching and management and the whole falling out with Jermaine Defoe. It was it was interesting. It was a, it was a tough storyline to try and figure out. So I don't think that he fully wanted to leave because he said numerous times he wants to see his plan go all the way through with TFC or the Raptors, but pr- predominantly TFC. But he did say when he was leaving that the team, the future's bright, it's got some promise towards it so I don't think he wanted to leave but at the same time I think it was a matter of the timing was right for him to leave. I found it so very interesting that to be perfectly honest it just seemed like he followed a long list of men before him of that had reputations of getting the job done no holds prisoner um, always doing whatever it took to win on the field um, I even wrote this in my article, uh, money be damned. They didn't care what it would take, but they wanted to be successful on the field. And when I say men before him, you know, you can look and see the pattern of people who have tried to make a change in MLSC always end up never seeing their plans through. It started as early as Sam Mitchell in 2008 when he got fired after, you know, just an 8-9 and nine start. And he had just finished bringing the Raptors to back-to-back playoff appearances for the first time in about three or four years. And then you also look at uh, a guy like, even him specifically, I mean, he had a, a history of, of going after his players, not so much going after upper management. But the fact of the matter that he got released on an 8-9 and nine record, I mean... You know, there's been guys in this city that have been able to hold on to their jobs for entire seasons for a much, much worse performances than that. And it just seemed like it was all way too premature. Well, it's funny you bring that up because there's another guy that was in the Laiwiki era that some felt was let go a little too soon, and that, that was Brian Burke. When you look at what he did with the Leafs, love him, hate him as a character, agree or disagree with his philosophy, what the Leafs did after he left was was make the playoffs, and that, and that was something was they haven't team. done. Yeah, yep. that was his team. Like you're saying, that was his team. And again, kind of like Laiwiki, Burke is not the easiest person to get along with. And when you're working in this corporate setting of like a Toronto sports scene, you're answering to a lot of people. You're dealing with a lot of board members. You're dealing with a lot of a lot of what some would say BS. Let's just be blunt here. It's a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of hoops to jump through to try <laughs> and run a team and make it work out. Absolutely. So it was kind of interesting to see Laiwiki 
the guys he's brought in suffer a similar fate in terms of Sam Mitchell or Brian Burke. And you kind of hinted in your article that could Messiah Jury face a similar fate? Could the Leafs' new regime face a similar fate going forward? How patient will the next CEO be? The scary thing about it all is that the only thing that we have seen to be guaranteed from MLSC ownership is that the teams will stay in the black. And you know what's even funnier about that is how ESPN every year they do their ultimate fan rankings oh, of yeah. the top sports franchises. Jesus. And the only title the Toronto Maple Leafs have won back-to-back since, God, the 60s, when there was only six teams in the league, was worst franchise in sports, back-to-back years. And they could three-peat next year, but they still turn a profit. And that's something that the MLSE has been very good at, is making sure that we pay primo dollars for tickets and... Quite frankly, the product is the product. Whatever we get, we get. Just deal with it. Mm-hmm. But Lywicki would always try and say that he wanted to get above and beyond that and produce a product. Do you think the next president's going to feel the same way? I think the next president is going to say all of the right things when he gets up on that podium and he says what he needs to say to the press and pay his uh, his media dues in this city. I think at the end of the day, though, um, who he is is going to be someone that, in my honest opinion, is going to be someone who's going to be handpicked by the board. Um, I don't see them bringing in another guy who's going to try and tell them what to do. They're going to bring in a guy who's going to be willing to take direction from them and not the other way around. And to be perfectly honest, I just hope that whoever the next person is, they don't get in the way of the progress that's already been made by Tim Lywicki because whether the board wants to admit it or not, whether anybody who either worked under Lywicki or above him uh, wants to admit it or not, these teams were all crap when he showed up. And every single one of them have gotten better, even the Maple Leafs. And I've never been a huge supporter of how the Maple Leafs are run. I've never been a huge supporter of their culture and how they've been uh, able to basically milk the hopes and dreams of fans for 40 years by just simply telling them this is what we're going to do and you guys really don't have any say in it. Um, I, Honest to God, the, the only fans that I've ever really seen in MLSC that have had any kind of guts to stand up and say this is crap has been the TFC fans and their their prayers are finally getting answered by putting a winning product on the field and Sebastian Jovenko having a season that has been called one of the greatest of any MLS player of all time so I hope whatever the next president does just don't get in the way of this don't get in the way of We the North don't get in the way of Mike Babcock and Lou uh, Lamorello and what they're trying to do in, in the with the Maple Leafs and for the love of God just don't try and get in the way of what TFC are going to be trying to be doing Uh, this coming year and the year following that because right now every single one of these teams are on the rise and no matter what no matter what you can say about Toronto sports when they're winning they're going to be making money anyway all that being said Chris do you have any idea through any of your sources on who might be the next MLSC president well it's no secret that John Cassidy is one of the ideal candidates for them they've been looking for a seasoned business executive to kind of keep things status quo and keep the momentum you're talking about going forward James Bradshaw of the Global Mail reiterated those facts on Tuesday when he said that they would like John Cassidy to kind of become the next CEO of MLSE. But Bradshaw also said that Cassidy turned down a previous offer they had from them due to financial reasons and other, other I'm sure, specifics of the contract that didn't match there. So although they haven't named a CEO yet, apparently they're close to naming one. And in all likelihood, it sounds like that is going to eventually be John Cassidy. Now, you would know this a lot better than I would. Um, is this guy anything like Tim Lawicki? Is this the kind of guy, is he a winner at all? Does he have any past success running organizations like this? Um, for, the, uh, for, for the Toronto fans out there that may not know exactly the background of this guy, is there anything you can shed some light to us on? 
Well, Cassidy ran Chorus Group for 15 years, which is somebody you're very familiar with. <laughs> and uh, they're a broadcast and entertainment group, and they produce brands such as YTV, Teletoon, HBO Canada, a lot of successful entertainment channels. And he was inducted into the Broadcast Industry Hall of Fame last month. So he, he knows what he's doing when it comes to business and everything else, which hopefully will translate over into MLSC. And I mean, given his track record of success in the world of business, if he's brought in there just to be the executive that they want to kind of just keep things status quo, I really don't see why he won't succeed in this position. The only concern I would have is that back when Babcock got his big contract, John Shannon of Sportsnet was saying how one of the reasons, well, one of the believed reasons why Cassidy turned down this job was because of money. And part of that people believed was because of what Babcock got. He thought, hey, if Babcock's worth this much, how much am I worth? Considering what he's going to be running, which is this multi, multi-million dollar empire known as MLSE, if money's really that much of a concern, is he the guy for the job? If money's that much of an issue already, he's gonna. I'm sure he's going to get a boatload of cash. So if you're worried about things like that, which again, it's just a rumor, it's just a report, it's people trying to put the tea leaves together. But if money's that big of an issue in a place where it's, quite frankly, not an issue at all, it, it kind of raises some question marks, in my opinion. It's quite abundant. And just by the sounds of it, they're going after a guy who's all about the entertainment and not about any of the sports. Well, <laughs> that's one way to look at it. I mean, it's tough to judge somebody without knowing their character, but I can really see where you derive that notion from. And to be honest, I hope we're both wrong because... Toronto sports has suffered long enough. We're reaching the Cleveland sports area <laughs> where we just want a winner. We just want to see some, some something. And with that, I think that just about wraps up uh, our very first uh, podcast, the TOT cast. Uh, Chris, any final thoughts? I just wanted to thank all the listeners today for tuning in and um, listening to our inaugural show here. And uh, I want to say thanks to Thon and Mature Maker and uh, Coach Smith for letting them come on and be our first guests. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun talking to those two boys. Absolutely. It was a great honor. Big shout out to Coach Smith. Big shout out to Thon Amator Maker. Going to be making some huge moves. And always be sure to reach us on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can always reach me at Ryan Greco 416 And of course, you can always reach Chris O'Kranitz at Chris O'Kranitz. And always be sure to like the Facebook page. I want to say one final thank you as well to the Fan Sided Network for giving us the support to go ahead with this. And uh, hopefully you'll be hearing many more from us uh, in the coming months and hopefully even years uh, as we continue to uh, delve into this strange beast that is the Toronto sports scene. Go Jays go. <laughs> That's right. Go Jays go. I'm Ryan Greco. He's Chris O'Kranitz. Thank you so much for joining us this week and we will be looking forward to seeing you next week here on the TOT cast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.